This is Matt Ward of the Way in Boxing Blog and Podcast. I'm joined by boxing writer Luis Cortez. Luis, thank you for joining me. Right, right. Right off the bat, we just had a big fight, probably the biggest fight of the summer earlier right. this month, between right. Triple G and Canelo. Right. One of the judges' scorecards right. was a little controversial, to say the least. You could say that. You could say that. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts first on this bout, and then second on Adelaide Bird's scorecard? Um, Canelo lost. It's just uh, from what I was... I mean, we, we both know watching fights live mm-hmm. and watching them on TV are two separate things. Um, I was instantly in contact with people who were ringside, uh, fellow members of the media, and not one of them thought Canelo won the fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe two or three had it 14-14, 6-6. Six six. But from all accounts... As everybody's been saying and reporting, Triple G um, dictated the pace of the fight, dictated the action. There is a such thing as effective aggression, and I believe he implied, impl- um, you know, implied that in the fight, mm-hmm. um, and was uh, clearly dictating the pace. Um, yeah. So I had him up eight to four. I know other people that had him up seven five, and like I said, a couple, like two or three people had it fourteen fourteen, but. Um, the scorecard of th- this is the thing, right? right? Um, people are okay, and and this is what gets under my skin with what we heard from the broadcasting team. Nothing against HBO and what they do. Um, however, they wanted to instantly spin what took place in that night as the fans got their money's worth. It was a great fight, which right. it was, and which we did, but trying to lessen the effect of her scorecard which was atrocious yes they did admit that you know to their credit that you know it was a bad scorecard but trying to push off them shitting the bed or the commission or Adelaide Bird shitting the bed on this one it it's upsetting as a fan first and foremost because that's what's been the problem with the sport for so long so um, there's been other close fights and first fights in a series, the most recent one I can think of is Pacquiao and Marquez, yeah. where the first fight was a, a draw. Mm-hmm. But even in that fight, there was the deciding voice was the draw in that, in that one of the judges had a 15-12, Marquez, the other one had a 15-12, Pacquiao. So the 14-14 draw was justifiable. Right. In this instance, even if Adelaide Bird felt that the fight was close enough like every the way everybody else saw it and had it 114-114 and it was a majority draw nobody would be upset right agree it was just the fact that it was so beyond what anyone saw and then when you looked at her scorecards it was just bad it was so yeah. what kind of ticked me off was yes the scoring but then also what we we got as fans as the rebuttal from the promotional company and from the broadcasting team that kind of try to clean it up. Right. Instead of just keeping it real and telling the truth as to the fact that the fight, you know, Triple G should have won. And they did mention it. They did mention that. But it was instantly back to selling the fan on, hey, at least we're going to get a rematch. Because what's interesting about that is the fact that the people I was watching the fight with before the scorecards were read, 
said, I will buy this rematch. Yes, definitely. I'll buy the pay-per-view off of the quality of what we saw, okay, in that ring. So they already had the rematch sold from the fighters performing. So then to turn it around and just start right in on selling the next fight Mm -hmm. and selling the rematch, you know, it was kind of, it it was a little disheartening, one. Two... Just going back to that other series, the Pacquiao-Marquez series, that fight, those fights happened when both fighters were in their prime and reigning in the, in the uh, featherweight division as the two best in the world, okay? That would be the equivalent, uh, or Triple G Canelo would be the equivalent to that had this fight taken place two years ago. Exactly, okay? yeah. Yeah, we, so, we waited for, for a while. For a long time on top of it. So that's, that's an issue there as well in, in the frustration of the fans. Okay, we waited two years for this fight. It was a great fight, and then one of the judges really shit the bed on it. Well, so, follow-up question: Do you, when do you think we're going to see part two of this? They already uh, this said there's matchup. contract talks and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they already waited till he was past his prime, and yeah. he's on the downslide. And it's a little bit of hypocrisy because the same promotional company that, I mean, everybody does it. All right. We could break it down and take a step back and just break it down as far as the way the boxing business is being handled from different avenues. Okay, you got fighters, you have the promotional companies that handle these fighters, you have the broadcasting teams, the networks, i.e. HBO, Showtime, and you have the media. Mm -hmm. Those are the four pillars of the sport, right? Yeah. So we're part of one of those pillars. Within that pillar, inside of the media, you have published authors, you have writers on the internet and for you know newspapers the few that are still around and still you know covering boxing and then you also have broadcasting teams and you have publicists those are the three ways you're going to make money as far as the media is concerned right okay and then from a promotional standpoint what threw me off um as one of the pillars is the fact that nowadays it's almost as if the fans thoughts or the fans' intelligence on what's taking place with the business is not considered, or there's some thought process there that the fans are not aware of of the way the business is being handled. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're kind of keeping it old school in that sense, and uh, it's just kind of disheartening in that in, from from that point of view, from a fan's point of view. So um, I would just I would just say as far as um, as far as I, I just lost my train of thought there for a second, but as far as from um, from a media standpoint, you know, if there's a lot of entities involved in the sport and from a media standpoint that have two hats on, mm-hmm. okay, there's writers that on the sly, on the secret, on the low, are also somewhat publicists, okay, so they kind of instantly the propaganda machine starts spinning. Yes. We saw a lot of that pumped out the second of the the draw was announced okay and the second um you know the post fight press conference goes on and shout out to my man michael montero from uh, montero on boxing okay mob because he was one of the few reporters who stood up in that post fight press conference and asked the tough questions to the commission and that was what's going to happen so that adelaide bird is not just a one-off Right, okay? right. So that she's not just a scapegoat. Because mm-hmm. I feel bad for her in that she's going to be the poster child now for this conversation to be had, which is fine. But at the same time, it shouldn't die there with whatever 
you know, the commission says she's suspended, she retires like C.J. Ross did after the Mayweather-Canelo. Interesting enough, Canelo was involved in that shitty scorecard as well. Yeah, And yeah. C.J. Ross, rightfully so, said, I need to check my eyes and retired from Another the controversy around, right. around Canelo Alvarez. Right, so it's like, um, you know, whether they're doing that because he's the house fight or whatever it may be, but back to Michael Montero, you know, he asked the tough questions, and a lot of times reporters because of access, don't want to go there. They fear that, that the credential is going to be stripped from them. Yeah. And it's a shame that, that that's the case because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing as the writer and as the, and as, and as the broadcaster. We're supposed to be truth tellers. If you're not a writer because you want to tell the truth, you're doing writing because of something else and you shouldn't be writing. Yeah, and that press credential is, is in some ways our bread and butter in this right, business. Right, and it's also a badge of regardless of whether you're not at least it was in the old days before again the propaganda machine started spinning and promotional companies had their feelings hurt because press weren't spinning out exactly what it is that they wanted to hear in the papers or the internet or whatever um in the past it was a badge of us being able to say listen we outside of of what i write we can be cordial we can be friendly we can see each other at the post-fight bar whatever it is or the after party, but at the end of the day, when I sit down, and I hate to use that little cliche, but at the end of the day, when I sit down in front of my typewriter, computer, whatever, I'm going to say what it is that I feel and how it is that I saw through my truth tellers, which is my eyeballs, and it seems like that's not being rewarded anymore. Yeah, and there um, should be some integrity within the journalist world. Right. Right. Now there are yeah. other there are writers out there that do this, right? I'm not mentioning mm-hmm. anyone in uh, you know in particular as far as um, you know writers that do do this or writers that don't. But I'm just saying as a whole, I think uh, promotional companies need to you know stop blaming everybody. Almost it's almost as if every portion of the boxing industry is pointing fingers Good at one of the other pillars, right? So and that was the point I was trying to make when I got tripped up earlier, but. Um, it's almost as if the promotional companies say, well, it's the fighter's fault that things aren't taking place. It's the media's fault that they're not covering it the way we want them to cover it. And vice versa, the fighter says it's the promotional's fault, or the media's not giving us a fair shake. I'm sitting here saying it's everyone involved because the media is also involved. Right. All right? Because of what I just mentioned, the fact that they're not get that some of the integrity, like you said, has been lost because of penalties and prices to pay and lack of access because you're not saying exactly what certain people in the other pillars want to hear, right? As a result of that, they're actually becoming pseudo-publicists, even though, and they're wearing two hats now. We, now, we know a publicist. We're here at the fights in South Philly. Mm-hmm. We know a guy who's strictly a broadcaster and a publicist. He started as a writer, but he gets his bread and butter by sending out emails. He floods the, you know, for whoever it is that's paying him to do so. And he says it. Yeah. And that's fine. That's what you are. You're a publicist, okay? He does a great job doing it. And he definitely. does a tremendous job. Yep. Everybody in the, we know who we're talking yep, Everybody, yep, we do. And listen, <laughs> but he makes no, there's no qualms about it. There's no bones about it. I'm doing this because I am a publicist and I'm a broadcaster. At least he's saying the truth about it and he's not hiding behind, you know, the fact that he has access or whatever it may be. So that's all I'm saying. As far as all four of these pillars are concerned, stop pointing fingers at the other areas. Take responsibility for what it is that you're doing that's being detrimental to the sport and turning fans off because that's the the big issue here. Fans are being turned off, all right? If you would have read the article that Steve Kim, and shout out to Steve Kim and UCN Live, that's one of the sites that I write for, 
But um, shout out to him and his article that he did today on Mikey Garcia. Yes, he certainly, yeah. certainly touched on a lot of the points that you made. Right, Promoters, right. writers, and so on, and fighters. Right. So now, if you're listening because, or, or you're reading the article as a, as a fan, first and foremost, I step back. And someone who's dedicated to this sport, all right? 14 years I've been writing. I've made 150 bucks off of this sport, off of three articles that a website posted up. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars traveling around this country dedicating myself to this sport and learning the craft of not only writing but the craft of boxing as a lifestyle okay so with all that said caring i'm reading this article and i'm saying as a fan first and foremost wait a minute what what the promotional companies both top rank or golden boy in this instance it's these guys in other instances other promotional companies i'm not just picking on them specifically right but if for these examples these are the companies involved they're saying to mikey garcia unless you sign at least a short-term deal with us you're not going to get the fight that you want but instead of them saying and pointing the fingers at mikey garcia and saying we're not going to give you the fight that you want they should be saying we're not going to give the fans the fight that the fans want and that fight being Either Lomachenko yep. <laughs> at top rank or Leonardis as a backup, yeah, which is not that bad of a backup. No, two great from matchups. Golden Boy. Two great matchups. So unless matchups. you sign this line and join te- join us for two or three fights, whatever, because you know you got Uncle Al as your advisor, and there's those bad blood. Listen, listen, fans don't give a shit about whether or not Bob Arum likes Golden Boy in this instance. Right. Okay. All they want to know is that Lomachenko is going to fight. Rigging down now, kudos to them for making the fight happen December 9th. Kudos to them. But all the fans give a shit about is whether or not, once that fight is over with, whether he's going to step up because everybody's saying he's pound for pound the best, right? Yeah. Well, now he's, you know, moving forward with it and fighting a better class of fighter each time, not taking anything away from Lomachenko. He beats Rigging now. He's deserving to be on that list, in my opinion, more so than he is now. But then after that, what's up with Mikey Garcia is mm-hmm. going to be the question. I don't give a shit about whether or not these guys who are making millions of dollars back and forth, right? Well, I'm paying out of my pocket to go cover the fight. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, their feelings are hurt on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Just make the fight happen. Whether or not this guy is signed to a deal or not, right? Yes. Now, they're saying they're blaming it on the fighter issue. Now, you could step back from fighter's point of view and say, look at what happened with Miguel Cotto after he left. Right, He left top rank. He went on his own with Golden Boy for two straight fights, then came back after uh, Austin Trout lost and did a one-fight deal with uh, Delvin Rodriguez. They had a handshake, and they said top rank and, and Cotto had a handshake for, for him to finish out his career there with top rank. But along came Jay-Z with $54 million for three fights. <laughs> Who the hell wouldn't say? You can't say no to that much money. Right, right. Yeah. And then on top of that, once he did that, Bob Arum is going to turn around and say, it's unforgivable what he did yeah. to me. First of all, Bob Arum made, and Top Rank made, millions and millions of dollars on Miguel Cotto. They got whatever they invested in him back tenfold, right? Then on top of it, if it's about loyalty, where was the loyalty? If I'm Miguel Cotto, this is what I'm thinking. Where was the loyalty when the guy who you also promoted beat the shit out of me and for 11 rounds could have paralyzed me or killed me in the ring with cast gloves? Right or cast uh, gauze, where was the loyalty that when I was supposed... And, and mind you, he was supposed to fight 
there was a possibility of him fighting Oscar De La Hoya after Margarito for 25 mil. Yeah, yeah. And that fight went away when he lost. Right. Off of one loss. One loss. A questionable loss. It comes that we come to find out. That went away after one loss. Like, and after and after it's a questionable cost, uh, loss that we come to find out in the future, yeah. right? So where was the loyalty there? Because when I had to go back into the back of the line, right, and down a peg or two and fight Joshua Cloudy and work my way back up to the guy who wound up getting that fight, Manny Pacquiao, where was the loyalty when you were promoting Pacquiao, Margarito, after the suspension? Or Margarito, Mosley. Well, at the time, they didn't know what Mosley, but at least with, with Pacquiao, they already knew. So this guy's making millions of dollars down in Dallas, a promotional company. Where was the loyalty? I wouldn't have any loyalty either. There's no loyalty. Fuck it. You're going to pay this guy who almost killed me in the ring. Why, why, would I not turn, why would I turn down $54 million over three fights? There's no reason to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's just one example of what I'm talking about. Mikey Garcia, that's another example. He already went through the litigation with Top Rank. He knows what it is what, to be involved with a promotional company. Now, the claim that the promotional company says he doesn't put asses in the seats. Mm -hmm. But a rebuttal to that is make the fight happen with your fighter. And I guarantee you, not just because he's in there, but because I'm in there, the attendance will be double. Yes. Than it was when they put him in, when they put Leonaris in just a week ago or two um, at the StubHub against, or no, at um, at the forum against the guy from uh, England, the former Olympic champion. Yeah. There was a spare, there wasn't that many people there, right? So if you're Mikey Garcia, you say, listen, you're going to say that alone I don't sell tickets, so then why do you want to sign me to a two- or three-fight deal? Right. What sense does that make? If I alone don't sell tickets and I have no point to come in to this negotiation as um, an independent entity, if I don't put asses in seats, then why do you want me for a two- or three-fight deal? At least they know with Miguel Cotto he's going to sell out some sort of stadium. Yes, yeah, especially. Whether it's 7,000 or 20,000 at the Garden. I think the 20,000 days The Guardian, over, Brooklyn. But, yeah, right, some of those right, stadiums, yeah. right. So if that's the instance, and you're Mikey Garcia, you're going to say, wait a minute, I, I don't put asses in the seats? That's what you're coming back at me with? Well, then why do you want me for this deal? Make the fight where you're a guy. Yeah. Win or lose or draw. You're still going to make your money. I'm going to make my money, and Leonardo's is going to make more money. And more importantly, fans are going to get what they want. Yes. Very well that's said. That's ultimately yeah. you know, what, it's, what it's about, because I feel like as though at times we're dealing with politicians here because they forget who... Is the, is the butter for the bread. The fans are the way politicians forget that it's their constituents that put them in office in the first place. If we don't buy the pay-per-views, you know, who's not gonna, doing anything for them. Not right, doing anything for, right. for their promotion. Yeah, Right, right. So in the words of Roy Jones, I feel like they must have forgot a little bit there. Now, to be fair to the promoters, fighters point the finger at the promoters at times and they don't have a leg to stand on. And their arguments don't hold water. See, for Cotto and Garcia in that moment, it holds water. But for young guys that we see who, especially at like club shows, the shows where you're at the 2300 Arena, there's times that we're sitting there ringside and we see fighters come in and they're acting as if they're already on that, on that stage or they have the ability to make those type of statements when they don't. These are four-round guys who are acting as if they're already deserving the headline pay-per-views. They're already in the 12-round fight or right. the big championship. So what does the promoter yeah. do? The promoter turns around and says, oh, this is all Floyd Mayweather's fault for introducing this style of business into this generation. Well, it's bullshit because Floyd Mayweather didn't start that style of business until he was in his 10th year as a professional. Yeah, yeah. Until, until he was already 30 years old 
a, a, pre, a proven pay-per-view seller before his big fight with De La Hoya when he turned into money. Because when he was pretty boy and he was fighting at top rank, and this is something that fighters, especially young prospects, need to need to hear, is that when he was fighting at top rank, right? Mm-hmm. He was guaranteed 25K, okay? 25K for a bronze medal winner who should have been in the Olympic gold medal fight. Right, right. Young Sensation coming out 25K guaranteed. There was times that he would win his fights, go to the top rank offices and say, I want another fight. Schedule me right away. And they would say, we can't pay your quote right now. You know what he would do? He would take less. He took 1,700. His quote is 25 Gs. Did he sit out because he didn't get the 25 Gs? No, No, he took 1,700. He whooped the dude's ass. He got the experience that he needed. And he kept it moving. He kept that record. He He kept patting the records. And, and not just that, he got the experience of whatever it was that he was working on yeah. so that when he would face that at a, at a higher level, he'd be prepared for it. Right. Right? Right. So if you're going that route with it, 10 years deep, pound for pound, you sweep, people forget. They say, oh, well, he just chose this fighter and that fighter. Well, he sweeped out the 130, 135, and 140. And, and he certainly paid his dues. Like, I think right. any boxing right. fan, so, casual, hardcore many, can say that. Too many times... Too many times, these young fighters aren't willing to pay that price. And they're expecting certain things that, um, you know, that they don't really at that moment, at that moment, they don't really, uh, you know, deserve to be quite honest with you. There goes Christian Cardo. He just said, what's up to us? And that's a fighter that's not of that. He's not cut from that cloth. Right. He's willing to do whatever it takes and continuously work his way up. All yes, right. absolutely. Whether it's sparring down in Miami or out in California, because those are where that's where the bantamweights are at. That's where he needs to go right. to up his game, so that at one so one day he can make those demands when he's at the negotiating table. Right. Okay? Um, but I also see fighters being able to point the finger. Right. So promotional companies do have the right in that instance to say, "Hey, to the fighter, you know, shut up and do what you got to do." Right broadcasters though at times and here's why fighters do make those statements one and two especially prospects we look at on the undercard of uh, triple g canelo right ryan martin from mm-hmm. cincinnati first fight the opening fight he's in there with a tough tough dude yeah i forgot the guy's name he was like 20 and 2 or something like that they're going at it back and forth the broadcasting crew is just bashing martin for the fact that he didn't look as stellar as the company or he had proclaimed that he would look okay what is the company going to say the company's going to say that he's not that good well he's on the pay-per-view card what is the fighter going to say i suck of course he's going to say i'm coming out to perform now sometimes it doesn't go as planned right yeah so it's not fair in my opinion that the broadcasting company, uh, team turns around and starts drilling it in on this guy how about giving the other guy credit for coming to fight and coming to win and trying to seize the opportunity that he was granted on the undercard of this big mega mega card, yeah, some of these that guys, makes fighters hesitant. Some then. of these guys get dogged by the big by the big right. media networks, big right. time. So does isn't Martin going to be a little hesitant now as to say the next time I go out in front of a TV audience, maybe I should get a lighter fighter, yeah, somebody who's not as hungry, so I could you know at least impress. And because they're worried away. about their brand, and we're moving See? away from these competitive right. Matchups. So who's yeah. at fault there? Who should point the finger? Should they point it at the fighter? No. Should they point it at the promotional company? No. We should point it back at us as the media yeah. and that broadcasting entity to say, hey, listen, break it down for the truth of what it was, not spinning and just instantly, instantly. I mean, I felt bad for Chocolatito. He got iced 
and less than 20 or two minutes after he's knocked out, laid out in the ring, they're already turning the machine on. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but the TIE fighter, as to whether or not he's going to be marketable as a star. Yeah, and they're ripping apart uh, Chaco Latito, too. Right. They're, they're, Instead of saying, yeah. hey, for the past five years, this guy's busted his ass, which they do mention, but it's almost as if they mention it as a cover-up to be able to say, hey, well, we did mention it, and that's not how we feel. These guys are making money on our platform. Well, you're making money, too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be broadcasting it. Yeah. And, Otherwise, and, none of this would exist. And, so let's and, call it what it is. And you look, at, you look at a fighter like Gonzalez, and that man was at the top of the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Right. One for loss. years. One tough loss, yeah. and all of a sudden, he's not in the discussion, or he's pushed all the way back a little bit. And then, what? I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then one knockout loss... Next thing you know, uh, you know, stepping over his body almost yeah. to start in on the new guy. Who can we turn him into a star? Can we market him? To can we market him? Yeah. We're gonna start spinning it so that that's the case. That's our fault. That's our fault in the media for doing that. So, so fighters and promotional companies in that instance can point the finger at the media. So everybody has justifiable reasons. All four of the pillars do to be able to say it's not my fault. It's that guy's fault or that pillar's fault. But at the end of the day, everybody needs to, you know, take a step back and look inward as to say, where am I being detrimental, far and foremost, more importantly, to the fame? I don't know. I just, I just, that's just how I see it. Luis, great points as usual. Fantastic conversation. I think we can also make a uh, quick announcement about the weigh-in boxing blog and podcast going forward. Yeah. Luis, you're going to be coming on board to uh, contribute. If I still get access after this. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if they want to martyr me, they can martyr me all they want. I don't think anybody give a shit because no, I don't know how many people read my stuff in the first place. But I mean, that's fine with me. You know what I mean? Martyr me. Well, so, Luis, you're always you welcome I mean? on the Way in Boxing Blogging Podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna do. Uh, hopefully, be able to rock out some weekly content for you guys. You could also check me out um, at UCN Live. That's still the main site that I write for. Um, but between the two sites, I'll go one for one. Uh, rock out at least an inter, uh, an article once a week for both uh, sites. Then also um, 15rounds.com. I got to step that up with Mark Abrams. And every once in a while, you can catch me on Sweet Science um, as a contributor. So uh, I just hope I don't, you know, I kind of went off on a little bit of a rambling there and just kind of went over the whole overview of everybody. But it was just that's kind of the way I felt after something like what we saw on the 16th. And, the, and that judge, his scorecard. That's what she brought out in me as, as first and foremost, like I keep saying, a fan. So um, Honestly, I think you uh, touched on some very important points. And you touched on some points that a lot of members of the media don't want to touch on. Right. And I think it's important to get it out there. And maybe it's going to take more of us as members of the media to speak yeah, up. No, it is. It's going to take members like myself, like Michael Montero, like who, who I mentioned. It's going to take guys like you. It's going to take guys who are ingrained in it, guys who care constantly. We're not TMZ. We're not going to just show up at September 16th or May 2nd a couple years ago or the November fight with Cotto and Canelo. We're not going to show up there and, and that's it. We'll see you at the next one or two fights, all right? That's not us. We go to the house shows, you know? We go to these club shows, even smaller places than the arena. You know, I go to amateur fights at at, um, at gymnasiums here in Philly. I'm there constantly. And there's guys out west that do it too. Right. So it's going to take us, those type of real writers, real 
media members who are truth tellers to continue to put the pressure and call us and call ourselves out when we're full of shit. You know what I mean? There's times yep. where I'm probably full of shit and I'm going to have to call myself on, out on it, you know? But I think ultimately it's better for the fans, it's better for the sport, and that's why we exist. So, um, you know, this, the hypocrisy needs to stop. Um, you're going to criticize Mayweather his whole career about, or the second half of his career about picking and choosing fighters, and then you're going to do it as a, in a smaller sample size, not five years or six years, but for two years with, Cane- with uh, Triple G. You're going you're gonna to spin the second tri- uh, Canelo comes out on the stage, you're going to spin it and tell the media what they should be writing about. That's full of shit. I mean, yeah. come on, I'm not going to mention the name, but there's a prominent member of that, of that promotional company who's on stage telling the media, well, you guys write in a condescending tone as if we're the problem. No, the problem was the fucking judge who, for some reason, was out of her mind and scored a 10-2. to 2. That, That's whose problem it was. It wasn't the media's fault that we're not sitting here saying it was a great night of action and the last thing that we're talking about is the judge. All right? Turn the f- and point the finger at the commission. Will mm-hmm. they do that? I don't know. Who knows? We're, we'll, I guess we'll see in upcoming weeks, unless it All just right. fades away. Yeah. And I got to, because this man right here, Christian Cardo, he won tonight. So, um, and he went the whole distance for the first time. 12 and 0, 11 knockouts. I got to drink eight shots of Sambuca instead of tequila. <laughs> Fair I was going to, if the guy would have won, you know, I would have had to go with tequila. But tonight I'm doing Sambuca. Thank you, Louise. Always a brothers. pleasure. Awesome, man.